0: the interesting story in the news this week man tries to run across the Atlantic Ocean in a hamster wheel yeah if you haven't seen it the pictures are exactly what you are thinking a man rigged up a contraption that sort of looked like a hamster wheel and he he was a marathon runner and he was going to try to run it until he got from South Georgia to the UK And so he got a few miles into the journey, and you can only imagine what happened. The U.S. Coast Guard came swarming in and said, "Uh uh-uh, you are not about to do that. Because the U.S. Coast Guard knew that if they didn't stop him then, pull him out of the hamster wheel, take him into custody, and arrest him, well, then, then the headline probably would have read something different just a few days later, wouldn't it? I'm sure that man was, man was really quite frustrated. I'm sure he wasn't very happy with the U.S. Coast Guard in that moment, but they were intervening for his own good. They were watching out for him, even though they were maybe doing something that was, that was frustrating him. As we stumble upon Matthew chapter 18 here, we see that Jesus is talking about, about intervening for our brother and sisters and doing it for their own good, even if it's something that they don't want to hear. And so as we dive into this idea of the church sometimes being called to say the hard things to one another, I want us to look at how Jesus calls us to deal with one another. Because he realizes it's, it's potentially confrontational and difficult, and so he lays out a blueprint. He says, when you see a brother or a sister falling into sin, this is how we ought to handle it. He starts in, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. First, notice just a couple things here. Jesus doesn't necessarily say that the sin has to be against you. Perhaps it was against you, but it does sort of blow that concept out of the water that if it doesn't have anything to do with you, if somebody's sin isn't directly hurting you, then we ought to just stand idly by and let them... Drown in it. No, Jesus says, go to your brother and sister and help them. But notice something else he says here. Something very specific. Just between the two of you. Jesus is very focused on the idea that the eighth commandment ought to be kept The Eighth Commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And Martin Luther later on, 1,500 years later, wrote this beautiful explanation for that commandment as to all of the different avenues that you could pursue living by that commandment in your life. And and he writes specifically in his explanation, he says, we should fear and love God that we do not tell lies about our neighbor. Betray him or give him a bad name. But defend him, speak well of him, and take his words and actions in the kindest possible way. Simply put, Jesus is saying your goal is not to take that person's sin and make it public right away. Your goal is not to walk up to somebody, see that they're, they're living contrary to what God's word has to say, and, and, and you shame them, and you try to bring them in front of all sorts of people and, and ruin their reputation in the church or in the community. No, Jesus says, if you can, just take it to them one-on-one. And if you win them over, great. But then he, he goes on to say, But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three. Throughout this entire conversation, motivation matters, doesn't it? The reason that you are taking somebody's sins before them absolutely matters. Whether you are taking their sins to them to feel better about yourself or, or to put them down, Jesus says that that's not the motivation for bringing other people in. No, the reason that you go and you talk to one or two other people and bring them in on the conversation is that that person might be jarred loose. That maybe just maybe they start to understand one of two things: either a they are in fact sinning, even though they didn't realize it, or b the sin that they've been committing over and over and over again that they've started to cling to is, in fact, serious. And so Jesus says, bring in one or two other people. That way, that person could understand just how serious it is and understand that that they can't act like they didn't know about it. And so Jesus continues. He says, if they still don't listen, he's talking about, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Does this feel a little weird now, Jesus saying this? Coming from someone who sat down and ate with prostitutes and tax collectors, does it it seem weird that he's speaking this way? What Jesus is saying is this. If your brother or your sister falls into sin, and you bring it to them and it, boom, hits them right between the eyes. And they still say, I'm not buying it. The word of God is wrong. I can do what I want. It's not a big deal. Then Jesus is saying, we, we need to do a heart check. And we need, to, we need to understand why is it that you are pushing back on the word of God when God so clearly says, you shall, you not you shall, you shunt. shall, you shun't.'" why is it that you would push against that, Lord? We start to wonder, does faith exist? If we are called to have faith in Jesus and he calls us to walk as children of the light and we say, yeah, we want to have the faith part, but we don't want to walk as children of the light even a little bit. Yes, Jesus is saying that we are called to bring this to the attention of the church to make it more of a widely public issue, really for two reasons. One, out of love for the other members of the family. If you look around and you see a brother or a sister that is, is falling into sin and, and really isn't even struggling against the sin, is, is clinging to that sin and loving that sin and, and making that sin their, their identity, then we don't want the rest of the, the flock to think that that sin is, is okay. Okay. And also, we don't want the person stuck in sin to think that it's a good thing. Brothers and sisters, that is love. So is this easy? As I've been speaking, have you been nodding your head along going, yep, this is easy peasy, not a big deal. I am willing to do this. I'm willing to be in a church that's like this. I want to be able to take sin before the people around me in my life. Does that sound like a fun conversation? Doesn't sound like it. No, and, and sometimes that uncomfortability causes us to sort of sweep sin under the rug. To act like it doesn't exist, like it's, like it's a non-issue. Because we don't want to be seen as judgmental, right? It's one of the scariest things that, that people see in society is being seen as, as judgmental. They, they want anything but that. And so sometimes it's just easier to say, you know what? We're going to act like it's not happening. And we're not going to make a stink because it's not a sin that's being perpetrated against me. It happens throughout our lives, doesn't it? You have the golf buddy that, that you go out golfing with him, and, and he's a nice guy, but, but usually the language shifts to where he's very derogatory about his spouse, or, or maybe he's even derogatory about Jesus. And you go, you know what? He's just making a joke. Not a big deal. Or you're, you're with a friend, and she seems to be really, really ragging on on, on her, her husband and, 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 and treating him as, as he shouldn't be treated. And you go, this, this feels awkward. This feels really uncomfortable. But I bet you there are two sides of the story. Or maybe we have a, a, a son or a daughter that is just lost, has taken sin and clung to it, has walked away from Jesus, has walked away from the church and wants nothing to do with God, his will, or his promises. It's a phase, right? They'll get over it. Someday they'll find their way back to the church. And as we do those things, we're buying into Satan's lie that that is love. That not saying anything, that being completely quiet, that just allowing people to sit in their, their filth of sin is love. And it is just that. It is a lie. The church That loves people is a church that is willing to have honest conversations about sin and about grace. And so Jesus tells us in the next verses, he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Brothers and sisters, let me show you a better way of loving than to just turn to the side and act like sin is not there. A way of showing love is is to make that coffee conversation with with your friend just a little bit awkward and check in. It's about getting to the sixth tee and realizing that it is in that tee box that you are about to make your friendship with your golf buddy just a little bit awkward. It's about picking up the phone and calling your son or your daughter. It's about the wife who rolls over in bed with tears in her eyes and turns to her husband and says, I am terrified because it seems like you've walked away from your Savior. Yes, brothers and sisters, that, that is the way that we show our love to one another. By bringing sin to them, why? With one goal in mind. So that we can inevitably bring the gospel to them. We bring sin before the people in our lives with the sole purpose that maybe someday, if not today, then tomorrow, then the next day, then, then weeks or months or years from now, maybe, just maybe, they will repent. And you will have that, that beautiful opportunity to bring them the message of free and full and complete forgiveness. Because Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. When you tell someone Brother, sister, your sins have separated you from God. There's some truth behind it. But when you say to your brother or your sister, your sins have been wiped away, and before God they are no more. You wear Christ's robe of righteousness, and your repentance is enough. Because your God is enough. That Jesus took sin so seriously, even when we don't, That he took it off of your shoulders, put it on him, and removed it from you completely. These are the fun, awesome conversations that we as Christians just rub our hands together and wait for. But first, we often have to make it through those first, those awkward conversations. That's why Jesus did it. As he goes before the Pharisees. And he speaks pretty harshly to them. You know that it is with the goal of repentance in mind. When he sits down and he maybe has those awkward conversations with the tax collectors and the prostitutes while he's at dinner with them, you know it is with one goal in mind that they would turn from their ways, that they would repent and know that Jesus is their Savior. He had a reason, a gospel-motivated, love-driven reason to bring sin before people so that he could bring salvation them. He finishes off by saying, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. When we bring the word of God to people, and it is an awkward conversation, know that Jesus is right there in the conversation with you. And when you bring the gospel to people and you announce to them that their sins have been removed as far as the east as from the west, you get to have the confidence of knowing that your Savior stands right there with you as well. That his sacrifice on the cross made it so that when you say you are forgiven, that your sins are wiped away, that's not just a fun thing that we say to one another. It's not just something that we say to, to make us feel better, to get the warm fuzzies inside. We say that because it's true. Because when Jesus says, I forgive you, he means it. And he gives us the power to bind sins and also to lose sins. He gives that power to the Christian church so that when you say, you are forgiven, my brother or sister, It is without a doubt 100% true. It's why I often like to refer to our our church here as more of a family than a congregation. We try to to, to be something more than just a, a group of people that get together to watch some guy talk for a little while and grab coffee in the back after church. We are a family of believers that have the difficult conversations with one another out of love and compassion. Please know that, that when, when this is the type of, of strategy that your church pursues, if you are lost in your sin, clinging to sin and allowing it to override you, then you have a pastor, a group of elders, you have friends and family here at the church that are going to text you and call you and hound you and pester you not out of hatred, not to shame you, not to harass you, not to make you feel about this big, but so that someday, someday, they might be able to say, brother, sister, your sins are forgiven and you are right with God. And I ask you, brothers and sisters, no, I, I expect from you, dear brothers and sisters, if I sin against you, you would do the exact same thing for me. Although I'm sort of hoping there's not a line that gathers on the way out of church today. This is love. A church that is willing to say the hard thing is a church that loves. The church that is unwilling to say a hard thing to one another is a church that doesn't love. We are able to have real and honest conversations about sin and grace because we know that after that difficult conversation about sin, we have full forgiveness waiting on the other end. I wasn't going to do this my first Sunday back after having the baby, but here we go. This week, I learned that babies go to the bathroom a loss. And when they do, and you go to change them and you pop the onesie off, what's the first thing they do? They scream. And they scream and they scream and they scream. But if I stood up before you today and I said, yeah, you know what, this week I heard my baby scream when I pulled off the onesie to change her pants and so we just haven't changed her pants all week. I would have a gang of ladies ready to pull me by the ear out back to the alley and beat me senseless. Because that's not love. Allowing somebody to sit in their their sin isn't love. Love is putting your arm around them and saying, brother, sister, let's battle this sin together. That's the beauty of the church, saying the hard thing. It is the fun thing, the awesome thing, the grace thing, comes afterwards. So whether we are saying the fun thing or the difficult thing, may Christ and his word be a constant presence in our conversations. Amen.